This is the Common Sense Podcast presented by Tamar. I'm your host, Tamar Weinberg, founder and CEO of Tamar, and I will be talking to people of all walks of life who have suffered adversity and overcome to rise above the ashes and now make self-care and wellness an absolute priority. Hi, everybody. It's Tamar, and we are in the craziest of times right now. It is the middle of March 2020, and if anybody knows what that means, that means we are all listening to this at the comfort of our own homes. Crazy, crazy times. About to go into that and how that affected me and how that affected my guest, Lydia Bonilla. She is here, and she has her own amazing story to share. But I guess we're going to go into, we're, gonna, we're, we're doing a little bit of a deviation from our standard podcast just because of what we're doing with our world right now, but I definitely want to talk about her story as well. So hi, thank you so much for joining. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Give in, introduce yourself. Tell tell us tell us where you are right now, where you would normally potentially be right now and um how what's going on with your world. Uh so I am in uh, Brooklyn, New York. That's where I would normally be. Uh I did want to go visit my family in Miami. Um however, my mom is uh going to be 81, so it wouldn't be, you know, in in her best interest for me to stroll in um given what we're dealing with health-wise. But normally, yeah, I would be working from home and, and that's, you know, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm looking at uh, outside at the window, uh, you know, not, not many people passing by, one person running. What neighborhood in Brooklyn are you in? I'm in Fort Greene. So I'm like two blocks away from Fort Greene Park. So it's usually quite busy there. Yeah. Yeah, it's usually quite busy. There's a high, high concentration of dogs in this neighborhood. So normally there would be a lot of people walking their dogs. And that's pretty much what you see now. It's like people who just have to get out to, to walk their dogs or the people that are out. Yeah, yeah. So I will go into this situation. So I'm just, um, I'm in Westchester and I actually live in the only containment zone in the country. I have actually been in quarantine since March 3rd, have not been able to even leave my property to, if I had a dog, walk it, cannot even walk on my sidewalk. And I I guess we consider this area the first cluster of community spread. And I ended up becoming symptomatic about a week ago have tested positively for coronavirus. But thank God, mm-hmm. I will say, I have been great. I've been feeling amazing. I've had minimal symptoms, but I've had all the symptoms, but they were not made massive or major for me to have otherwise discontinued my life, except for the fact that if somebody were to get it from me, it would be socially irresponsible and it would be very damaging, potentially lethal to some other individuals out there. So. I am going to, who knows? I don't know when I'll be able to go outside for real. It could be mm-hmm. another month. It's crazy, crazy times right now. Yeah, yeah. But, and my husband actually, when we had, when the quarantine had been initially announced uh, for my community, this is before the rest of the world really started doing that, I guess earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband was supposed to go to Florida to Disney World for a company retreat type of thing. I think there was a 50th anniversary. And mm-hmm. that was canceled. So and he, besides the fact that it was canceled, he was still, he still had a flight. He had to cancel his trip. It's, this is, this is, I don't know, unreal. But it also, there's also some silver lining to me personally, because 
we're so socially connected through the internet right now that it's not as painful as maybe potentially otherwise mm -hmm. uh, in other, you know, if, if this was like 15 years ago, I don't even think the world, the, the information would be disseminated to, to send us home, but we wouldn't have each other right now through social media in the way that we do today with, thank God we have fast internet and lots of groups. And thankfully, I guess the evolution of Facebook groups, if you will, has come to a, a point where we are truly congregating on like-minded matters versus, you know, just broadcasting on our own, like, you know, our own feeds. Like, we can join hyper-local groups and topic-minded groups. It's, 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 we're in a very, very good place right now. So mm -hmm. hopefully people are handling this in stride and people say that's not the word you should use and perfect i gotta say for me personally it's perfectly valid word for my life because i do feel like i am able to take it in stride and i'm able to tolerate it it isn't as isolating as it could be even like a year ago before the mm -hmm. like evolution of facebook groups in the way that they are and mm -hmm. whatsapp groups in the way that they are now I think we're, it's the perfect, perfect time for this to happen. And I hope that people do see the silver lining in, in that. Yeah. Anyway. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, how have you been faring over there? Ah, uh, so, you know, this for me, it felt eerily familiar because about ooh, 2008, so about 12 years ago, in the midst of the financial crisis, I was trying to sell a house that I renovated. You know, The idea was to, to flip it, and we were going to make all this money, and it was going to be great, and it didn't happen that way. And it, one day, literally, the world shifted, and I didn't get the memo. I was still waiting for things to go back to some sort of normal. I was in this beautiful home um, that was really stunning because it was newly, newly renovated and I couldn't find work and I hated the house, you know, hated it. And I hated it because it broke up my, it, I, I thought, oh, it broke up my relationship, you know, and I just didn't get that the world changed. And so I was just in bed or anxious pacing the house and I was just really, really stressed out. And you know, it took, you know, you, you know, years really of like personal development work and different things that I've done to realize, wow, there's moments in life when things shift and it's either you're going to, you know, get on board or you're not. And last week, Friday, actually, um, so on Thursday, um, you know, I had a number that was like cancellations of things. It was a speaking engagement I was supposed to do that was canceled. Other opportunities, either on hold you know, postponed, it postponed really indefinitely. And instead of being panicked about it, the next day I just woke up and said, you know, yeah, I was started to like go into like overthinking. I was like, you know what, Lydia, the world changed. That's it. It shifted. And it's either you're going to get on board with it or not. So what are you going to do? Right. And uh, it's really, for me, was really a, for me, it's been a very powerful place to stand because I'm able to have conversations with people about what they need, how I can be best of service to them and not worry about myself and be only in my, I just need to get this. I need to get this. If I can only get this sort of obsession 
you know, you get when, you know, things are taken from you or it appears like things are taken away from you. Right. And so it's been actually a very, um, it's been very uh, connected, I feel, spiritually. I feel very productive and positive and optimistic, you know, and it sounds strange given what's happening, but it's really been a, a testament to my mindset about it. Yeah, I have to say that I have been, if you asked me this question, how I felt about this about three or four years ago, Mm -hmm. this would be the worst thing ever for me. Right. But I really do believe that my mindset has improved. And knowing that we are literally all of this together, maybe as a global like community, this is a global community. This is not a, it used to be my, the seven, the 700 to a thousand people in my neighborhood who were all self-isolating because we came into contact with the first case of community spread in the country. But now um, I have partners in Pakistan and I have friends and family in Israel and we are literally all doing this together. Things could be a lot worse. And yes, I the financial uncertainties are certainly there. But I think Mm -hmm. and I hope that we can derive strength from each other and hopefully we can also isolate responsibly so that we can get out into the wild sooner rather than later. But we do have to do what we need to do now. The more people go out and put other people at risk, the more we're going to have to stay indoors. Mm -hmm. So... You know, those people walking their dogs right now, hopefully they're maintaining that safe social distance and then they're staying home and they're not going out anymore. I see Mm -hmm. so few cars here, but then again, I'm literally in the center of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, I just hope that people, everybody, all communities, all towns, all religions, all beliefs, every person, they're sitting there and they're being smart about what they need and they're just minimizing contact with as many people as possible and then staying indoors. Do not be irresponsible about this. Mm-hmm, it's really mm-hmm. important now that we need to take this and bring it and, and recognize that if we don't act as a collective, then we are going to have problems and we're going to be paying for them and we're going to make people who are really, really struggling, they're going to be, it's going to be a lot worse for them. So, You know, it's interesting because we're doing this to protect the health of people who are immunocompromised and elder and might be at risk. But I think we're also doing this for the financial security of of our of the businesses all around us, because Mm. the sooner we stay home and make sure that the virus is kept at bay and it dies out in our own bodies, the sooner we can go out and resume business as usual and you know, all that other stuff. And uh, I don't know if you hear my kids in the background. <laughs> That's just the nature of my business, my world right now. Sure, I would yeah, love for them yeah. to go back to school. But this is what we have. And we have to make it, we have to, you know, do the best we can and make the best of it. But like I said, you know, things could be substantially worse. We can be completely shut down and not connected socially. But we're in a, in a, right. we're in a very, right. we're very lucky and we're in a good place. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned like what what we have because I um, even b- before this started, probably mid last week, because things have moved 
quite rapidly, at least here, you know, in the New York tri-state area. So I wrote a list of what, what, do, what do I have, what do I want, and what do I need? And was despite all my I had was dealing with a lot of you know fear and going oh I need to do this I need to do that and I don't have this and my money's tight and I had a lot more than I thought you know as far as what was in the what I have column and what was also uh, very comforting was that as time went on the days went on what I needed and wanted was moving to the what I have pile. So I started to make requests, you know, of, of people and sort of get out of my comfort zone. I'm, you know, I, I'm a, I got it. I can do it by myself type of person. And that really doesn't work in this environment anymore. Um, cause it, you, you could literally perish, you know, something, you know, dire could happen to you. So, you know, I started to ask people for things and people have been, you know, um, more, more than happy to, to support. So, and I'm still, you know, I'm still keeping that list and moving things over and going, wow, isn't this, isn't this amazing? You know, I have, you know, I really do have what I need to really thrive. I love and it. life looks different. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. So I guess we should go into your story because I, th- and okay. I think you might have really kind of started to share it. Yeah. Um, you know, the objective of the common sense podcast besides the fact that we're in so so much uncertain times and we did take a little bit of a tangent from the the typical topics that i discuss here um you know there there is the story of about rising above the ashes and i think attitude is important here and i think we're showing that you've risen above the ashes but tell me a little bit about your story what you do and how where that came from Mm -hmm. go for it yeah. So, uh, so what do I, I, what I do is I'm a pleasure strategist. So I help women, you know, create the, uh, loving relationships and fulfilling careers they wish they had in their thirties. Uh, I am also the founder of a product brand called the house of plume, um, which what we do is that we create elegant, um, and functional, um, storage products for sex toys for adult toys. And inside of all of that, I've also had oh, about 20 years of banking experience, um, working, you know, in diff- different aspects on on Wall Street. So I've had a few. I've had a few transitions, and none of them that none of them that as intentional as this the one that I'm making now. So explain how that happened. How did you evolve? Where? Give me your trajectory and like. What kind of motivated the next step in your in your career path? Mm. So let's see. What's always motivated my 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 paths or my shifts have been um, a calling, a, a wanting, a knowing that there was something more. It was. It never really started off very um, concrete. It's always something that would be bugging me, nagging me, you know, sort of something that I should be pursuing, but not really clear on what it is. And then I would, you know, sit and like, you know, be with it, you know, by either journaling, writing. Some A, a number of times it's been travel. When I uh, left my first and only full-time job I ever had in banking, I traveled for like eight months. 
And um, then I landed on being a consultant as a, in a, as a compliance expert. At the time, there was you know, this need to, uh, for compliance, uh, given that we, um, you know, banks had to step up their, uh, their investigations due to like right after 9-11 and, you know, kind of this hyper awareness around terrorism and fraud and things of that nature. So I, you know, stepped into that and then, you know, I was like, whoa, this is not what I was, I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be doing something more creative. And, um, then I had a product and I had, I had, a, I came across an idea for, uh, creating a product for, you know, storage products for sex toys. But I was, you know, I did a lot of research for it and I knew that I felt like it, you know, it would be something that would be pretty big and it scared me a bit. So I, I traveled, which is probably not the, um, like entrepreneur, like from a, you know, financial perspective, not the, the best thing to do. But then I, I took like a month and a half and I went to Morocco and I went to like, Barcelona and Paris and London and everywhere I went, I was looking for my product that I could what I want what I wanted to create and I couldn't find it. And I was like, okay, if I couldn't find it in Paris or London, it's probably a good idea that I do this. And I did that um, for um, about five years. We launched on Kickstarter. We were the first adult brand um, that was approved on Kickstarter, really creating a path for other adult brands to do the same. Created the product. It was successful. And also inside of that, I realized, you know, my um, gravitation towards community and creating community. So really out of a conversation with another um, founder in the same space, we, by the name of Polly Rodriguez, um, who uh, runs Unbound right now, we created the Women of Sex Tech, which, you know, was really started off as a networking event. And it really now has blossomed to like, you know, being you know, in, in the conversation or thought leadership around sex and technology. And now it's a not-for-profit and um, just the women have just done like really incredible things with it. Um, and then now my, now my other shift is that I realized that I was hiding behind the product I created and that I'm, that I'm also actually more, um, I'm worth more than the product as far as what I have to say and, and, you know, what do I have to offer? And I said to myself, am I, am I really going to create other products? You know, people give me product ideas and I go, eh, meh, I don't know. And I said, you know what, it's really time to just complete, complete this. And, um, inside of that, what I created was an opera because I am about community and sharing with others and how I could be of service to others is that, I said, okay, I can create a campaign around this called Permission to Pivot, where people can share their pivot stories or their or their longing to pivot from pivot from something to another. And really, how do you, you know, how do you do that? How do you do that responsibly? How do you do that in the way that best serves you? And, you know, also deal with the risks of change going from something that where you really know to something that perhaps you don't know at all or not know as well as you, as you would feel comfortable with. Um, so I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's good. It's a great answer, but, but there okay. are, but it does beg some further questions. Okay. So the first question that I have is, you know, you said you wanted to be creative and then you created yeah. this product. Where did that idea come from? 
number one, and I guess mm-hmm. to maybe you could probably tie it into the uh, question here um, that I have about just the nature of this particular product. And given the fact that you're, I know that the pleasure industry is just really slowly evolving, but there's still a tremendous amount of stigma. So you yep. might have found challenges just in, you know, persevering in the face of these particular, you know, naysayers and the negativity in the industry. I know that, for example, there was an issue with CES and CES might have prevented some uh, some brands from even presenting or winning an award. I forget what it is. I'm sure you were a little more familiar with what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But how are you facing these challenges? Because I think that obviously the this in- industry is ripe for disruption, 100%. You're in the you're in the right place, but I'm sure you're still dealing with that on a on a consistent basis, or maybe you're seeing it taper off. What has been your experience on that, and like, how did you decide to do it? Yeah, so I answer your first question: how it how it how it happened. So, um, so remember, I said that I had this house that I renovated and blah blah. So I eventually I sold that house and I moved into so it was a you know, big house. And I moved into like a one bedroom apartment. So I had all this stuff. And I also had like the emotional baggage of like what it meant and all that. So I, I had all these things in boxes and I couldn't find anything, you know, and, and so I was like, you know what, I'm so sick of this, uh, that I can't find anything. So I'm going to hire a personal organizer. And she came to my house. She was in my bedroom looking through different drawers. And then she came across that drawer, you know, the drawer that every woman has in her in her bedroom. And I was like, oh, God. I'm sure she appreciated that. I was like, oh, this is embarrassing. And she didn't blink. And I was just like, you know, par for the course for her. But then I said, you know, I said, where do people put these things? And she said, well, there's nothing in particular. You can put them in plastic bands. And, you know, and I said, oh, I want something prettier than that. And I started to look for something because I'm also, you know, I, I like good design and I like things to be pretty and, and all that. And I just couldn't find it. You know, I, I remember taking jewelry boxes and, um, you know, taking the insert out and putting the toys in and that didn't fit. And so one day I said, ah, forget it, you know, um, move on to something else I was trying to do in the house. And um, so I was working on this bank project that was like, you know, really like draining me. And uh, not far away was, you know, Babeland, a sex toy store. And I said, you know, my vibrator broke. I'm going to go in there and get a vibrator. And as I was walking out, I just said, you know, I said, by the way, do you have storage products for sex toys? And they went, she, woman went, no, but we get that question all the time. And I just looked at her and I said, well, I'll make one. And she was like, okay, you know, kind of just looked at me really strangely. And then I, I never forget, I was outside the store and I posted on Facebook. I said, you know, where do you put your sex toys? Where do people put their sex toys? And some people didn't want to comment directly. So they sent me DMs and were like, oh, I put them in my this and I put them under the bed. And uh, just like these wild places people put them. And I went, wow, there's really something to this. And then I, I just, you know, followed the breadcrumbs really of what my spirit was telling me to do and, you know, started to, to talk to, to more and more people. And I went to a trade show and, you know, to, to get ideas. Um, cause that one thing I did understand about it is that I knew 
that going into something like this was like a new baby. I was like, I had, you know, had done real estate development for like two and a half years and that took everything. And I said, oh, if I go into something else, that's like, this is a big deal. So I took, I sort of took my time to, to get into it. But once I was into it, I was like, I was all in. Um, and to your point, that's when I also realized all the, you know, the stigmas and the, the, um, the, just the number of limitations that, um, people in these, in, in this industry face, um, particularly if you're, if you're a small business and two, if you are, um, woman founded, you know, if you're female founded, one thing that I got when I went to my first trade show was how male dominated the industry was and and dominated by some very conservative people you know politically and I would be like whoa this is bizarre um so that's also what you know led me to to want to create community uh, around around this and you know so just to give your audience an idea about the limitations for example we cannot advertise on any just almost any form of social media. We cannot buy Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Pinterest pins, you know, different places may where you may want to speak or what have you. They're like, oh, are you going to be here talking about anything attached to sex? People think that that's all you are and that's all you ever be. And, you know, you, you can't, you can't, you we can't speak that there. Uh, obtaining press, you know, getting on like a, a show like the Today Show is, I mean, it's hard. It's it's challenging. It's it's you know it's challenging for any brand, but definitely for sex. That I've been told, no, 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 we don't talk about sex at nine a.m. You know, that's not happening. That's not happening at seven a.m. And so there's just a, a number of places where um, where you can't where you you know where you can't advertise. You know, so these these things that are available to other brands. So I'm like, oh yeah, just do a bunch of Facebook ads and you'll be great. No. That's that's not a reality for people in this industry, um, and I would say though that's been quite that's been quite challenging. You know, it also developed me, and it's developed these women also in this industry. Some of these women are like Polly, like from Unbound, or like this. I mean, the most resourceful, strong. You know, like you know, you can't kick me, you can't get me down type of, type of women because of all these challenges. So they're, you know, they suck. It's difficult. And at the same time, it, it's what, it, what shapes you. Yeah. I, I can imagine that there's an interesting play here on parenting. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, you know, when you were saying that your organizer, your personal professional organizer person saw your, your toys there. I guess it's good that it wasn't kids, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's unfortunate that at nine in the morning, this, that's a conversation that, that, you know, the frazzled parents would probably want to have. I think it's completely mm-hmm. identifiable regardless right. of the hour of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I wonder, I think in due time, the, in people out there are going to warm up to the idea. I think that as taboo topics have I've seen in my lifetime, I'm sure you've seen in your lifetime, have become more mainstream, but it does take some time. And I, I have certainly heard the stories, you know, what you, what you basically what you said, that this is a male-dominated industry. Women are typically locked out. But I, I'm hoping for your sake and for everybody else who's, you know, in a similar boat, 
that there will be that opportunity, you know, soon over the next couple years, hopefully not longer than that, but I feel like the reality is it will probably take a little more time, uh, that that will become more normal and uh, an accepted conversation regardless of the mm-hmm. hour and advertising won't be offensive. Mm-hmm. I don't see why it should be. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's the, it's, there's a risk, right? There's a risk for these, for the, for the, for the brands. And, and uh, when I say brands, like um, the social media, the the Facebook, you know, Facebook is owned by, you know, Instagram and Facebook the same, but, you know, different, there's, there's, there's a risk that goes along with putting out or allowing for a taboo topic, um, because particularly when it comes to w- female sexuality, females, pe- women owning their bodies, women owning their pleasure, it's still a very jarring thing. You know, even <laughs> you can look at it from a political perspective of women running for a president. It's still an issue. Uh, you know, women have to, you know, fit all these different boxes in order to be quote unquote likable, and electable and, and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but you look at like, for example, nothing to do with sex tours, but pretty like these are women owning their bodies. Are looking at you know, you look at the last Super Bowl performance, Shakira and Jennifer Lopez, and they said I read that the F um, the, the the Federal Trade Commission got the most complaints ever about a performance because people were so and including women, a lot of women were offended that these women would be so okay with just not saying flaunting themselves, but just so okay in their body, so okay in who they are culturally, you know, so okay in, in, in really in what they have to say and who they are. It's offensive to people who are, who are actually um, living small lives. Yeah, that's absolutely crazy. But I feel like for you in particular, your product... Like, yeah, it touches upon the taboo topic, but it also makes that taboo, those taboo products stay in, in a place where it's safe. So yes. it's like sort of a catch-22 specifically for you because yeah. you're doing exactly, you're making it, even though it's like, it's a normal thing, it's still taboo, but you're protecting that taboo-ness without compromise, you know, like compromising the integrity yeah. of the situation. It's weird. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a weird dynamic, especially for you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a, um, it's a, you know, a tightrope. Yeah. I, I really do hope for your sake, you know, that that you start to see an evolution with acceptance in time. I think that, yeah, the, the Super Bowl halftime show and all of those, uh, contested topics, that's, it, it, I, mm-hmm. there's no turning back. And I, I, I do think that our, we as a society will eventually, uh, you know, become, embrace these, these, I don't know how to even, what the word is, these challenges, it's not a challenge, these very normal things, it's phenomenal, yeah. I don't know what it is, yeah. nature, this human nature, it yeah. is human nature, it's like, you know, we don't need to be wearing these big poofy dresses like we're in the 1900s, early 1900s anymore, Yeah, I, yeah. you know, let's, let's, go scantily clad and be, well, not only about scantily clad, I think some people are still struggling with that, but let's, yeah. let's, let's realize that this is, this is who we are and there's still an element of modesty, but this is modesty. Your thing is actually taking upon modesty and making sure that it doesn't 
it doesn't become embarrassing. But yeah, kids exactly. don't say, come and, you know, find, find something in your, in your, in your drawer and then walk out when you're having a dinner party and saying, mommy, what's this? You know, <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. want that, you know, but yeah, that's, the exactly. that's exactly what happens out there. And I've, I've heard, yeah. I've, I've seen those posts. So. Mm-hmm. It's like YM magazine. You know, modern why but anyway, I don't know if that's around. Anyhow, um, yeah, let's let's talk about uh, I guess this this topic, and let's talk about you know the the other elements of like your. I mean, we talk about this product is clearly a self care product, and I'm sure I don't want to talk about that about you and and putting putting in that vote there, but I guess like what what do you do uh, for self care in general, and and you know ma- making sure that you stay sane and above water with dealing with the, you know, the stigma of the industry, the taboo-ness of the industry, and, and, and just for yourself and, and making sure that you stay sane. And, and even in this moment of time, given the fact that we're in certain, isolate, in certain isolated times right now, mm-hmm. what are you doing to, to, stay, to stay afloat? Well, what I'm doing um, to stay afloat, really, is, um, you know, it, I, I really create myself with who I say I am and what I'm about. So, you know, my, who I, who I think I am, the, who I, who, what I say about myself literally, you know, creates my, my reality. And I, I really do um, believe that. So in these times, what I've done is, is, is got grounded and really what, 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 what is all this for? You know, what, who am I here to serve? What is this really about? Because it's not about, um, you know, getting likes on Facebook or, you know, some, something vain like that. I mean, people are dealing with real things and I'm more connected to, to serving people than I am about being in my head about what's, what's happening. So as far as self-care, I mean, I've, I've uh, taken more, I've taken time, more time to meditate, I'm doing journaling, I'm telling, you know, speaking to people um, and speaking to people versus texting. This is like so key. You really do have to, in order to get someone's communication and get where they, what they're, you know, what's really happening, you, you have to get on the phone with them and be able to hear a person's voice versus, you know, just getting a message from them. Cause I could just, I could just straight up lie in a text message. How are you doing? I'm great. Not true. Um, and just being, you know, straight about when, when I am afraid or when I'm anxious and, um, you know, just being with that versus going to go do something about it. Like I, you know, ran out of snacks. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to get any more snacks. <laughs> I'm not going to get any more snacks. I'm just going to be with what it is. And, and that's it. I don't need potato chips to get through this because it could be months and then I could leave, you know, I could gain 20 pounds and then, and then what? So, um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's what I've been doing. That's really getting connected to myself the people in my life and, and why I'm here. Nice, nice. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. You know, positive vocalization as well. I'm just hearing what you're saying. I mean, I, I, yeah. I can see you're going to, you're going to do just fine. And yeah, like, you know, I was saying if I doing this several years ago, I, I don't think I would have had the same attitude, but I think that once you say it, you, your, your, your body and, and they talk about this in a lot of these like self-help books, but 
there's mm-hmm. a reason for that. Psychologically, you make a comment and you say, this is going to be what's my reality. I'm very happy about this. Your brain is going to figure out how to be happy about this if you're not. But you need to actually convince yourself. Not convince yourself. You need to believe it. You need to actually have it in your mind that this is, you're going to be fine. And yeah, yeah. It's really, it's, it's really standing for, you know, for standing for a possibility and standing for a possibility many times doesn't, it's, it's standing for something that you may not see or make, doesn't make sense given the circumstances that that actually could happen at some point. But it's what, and also what it's not, it's not, I'm, I'm definitely not a Pollyanna person. I was like, I'm happy. And I'm, when I'm not, I'm straight about when I'm not happy. I'm straight about when I'm feeling fearful. I'm straight about when I'm feeling sad and upset. I was, you know, on Monday, was it Monday? Yeah, it was like Monday where I just felt energetically off and I felt like crying and I didn't understand why do I feel like crying? And so I took a bath and, um, but it's not, you know, pushing anything away because whatever you push away comes to the surface anyway. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you say, was it Monday? It's also the fact of the matter is right now. Yeah. Yeah. What is today? Today is Sunday. Yeah. I don't even know. Sunday to the 29th. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's, it's, for me, I've been in quarantine for yeah. since Tuesday the 3rd, and it's the 19th of March right now. It's yeah. 16 days, 17 days. I, I don't know. I yeah. can't keep track of this anymore. It's, right. it's, it feels like Sunday, but there's, well, you know, the school itself here is trying to make a lot of structure. To, and to your point about, you know, getting on the phone and making sure you talk to somebody, I think that's really important. I, I just want to, like, give a shout out to my kids' school. Uh, they've been doing an amazing, amazing job of having Zoom classes for the children so that we can see each child in their own in house, in their own environment. Uh, it's it's absolutely amazing, and it keeps us connected. It's it's mm-hmm. for me personally, it's a little challenging because, and but thankfully, I have a dual monitor set up here, uh, mm-hmm. and you can hear them in the background. They're like, this is their recess. They're running outside and running, riding a little car, riding little cars in the background. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, we, we are literally connected to each other and I have one monitor for one child and then the other monitor I'm working on in the same computer. <laughs> so that's, there's, there's a challenge yeah. that I have, but at the same time, you know, I'm glad as a parent that I can sit here with my child. It keeps me closer connected. Maybe I should be more isolated from my children, especially because my children tested negative and I'm the only one who actually has, has tested positive for the coronavirus. But at this point, I wonder if I have, if I've been this close to them for the last couple of days that I've been symptomatic and have had the coronavirus and they haven't gotten it yet, are they going to get it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But we do, thankfully, you know, I don't know if I say thankfully at this point, thank, but thankfully the kids are not going anywhere beyond right outside on the driveway, which is where you're hearing mm-hmm. central noises. So to, mm-hmm. to put anybody else at risk, you know, hopefully once yeah. this passes for me, this passes for everybody and we'll both get, be able to get through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd say the other thing is to, is to make requests. You know, there's so many people, there are a number, I've seen some, a number of posts where people are like, okay, whoever needs money, you know, if you need a hundred bucks, I'll then, I'll then mow you that, you know, like, so there are people that are, that are in the ready, you know, and are, they're willing and able you know, want to support and you just got to say that you need support. Right. I, I will say, I will say that there was, there was a, a donor who was actually willing to give 
necessities to families yesterday mm -hmm. uh, in my community. Toilet paper, diapers, adult and children diapers. And then there was this one item on the bottom, dairy chocolates. Now, I was mm -hmm. the first day that it was announced that we would be under quarantine, I begged all my friends for chocolate. And and mm -hmm. and I didn't mm -hmm. I, I only I, I, I didn't I, I only um well, I ended up not getting anything. Mm -hmm. But so then yesterday I saw this request that I said, you know what, people less fortunate and I don't feel right to do it and I have to say even the fact that this mm -hmm. is now I'm in isolation even longer, I probably should have taken them up on it. Mm. And it, it was too late. They closed the form literally like a minute after I, a minute after I checked. Like, uh, sorry, a minute before I checked. And um, sometimes you got to do it. Chocolate is for sanity. And I think that's potential self But I Yeah, it's anything really. You know, and I, I, you know, talk a lot of, I talk about this, you know, because I, you know, one of my favorite topics to talk about is pleasure. And pleasure could be anything. For me, it's like, you know, popping, you know, bubble wrap. Um, you know, that is fun and satisfying. Um, painting my toes, you know, if it, for you, if it's, if it's eating chocolate, it's eating chocolate. It's just any, all of it has to, you know, there's, there's a, there's a line between pleasure and addiction, but if it, it, it's all, it's all here to support you being alive. And that's, and that's, that's fine. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I, I do, I do feel like I, I do need to draw the line. And that was actually the thing I wanted to talk about. You know, you mm -hmm. talked about, um, I guess, food consumption and yeah. gaining 20 pounds. And I will say I probably am gaining, gaining 20 pounds under these circumstances. Mm -hmm. I will say that for me, I have a very strict structure in general. Like I would go to the gym and then I would uh, intermittent fast where my intermittent fast is actually 23 hours and one, 23, one. Some people do the 18 hour mm -hmm. like fasting and then six hours of, of eating. For me, it was, it was, i I only eat one meal a day. That's OMAD. And I mm. have not been able to do that under the circumstances here to the point for, for several reasons. Number one, I feel like I have to support the businesses that are potentially going to fail if they don't have any patrons and in helping these you know, restaurants stay afloat. Mm -hmm. And number two, it's very different when you're at home and you have your kids every single day. So it, for me personally, it's been tearing, tearing at my heartstrings and my uh, my my hunger pangs. But also maybe for me, coronavirus, uh, I've had either lack of appetite or ravenous hunger, and mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a symptom or whatever. But I did have lack of appetite, which is very atypical in these times. I and one of one of the other symptoms I have is lack of smell and taste. Mm. which is not a commonly communicated symptom but i will say that definitively is it is definitively a symptom a number of people in my community who tested thought that they actually lost their sense of smell and taste from testing and i hadn't tested for a long time i was supposed to, i signed up wednesday march 3rd to be tested mm -hmm. i ended up going to um i'm actually looking March 15th was when I finally went to the testing site that was open here. And the only reason why I was really prompted to do that is because somebody's like, have I, have, they, they had asked, has anyone who tested, they thought that it was a result of just having a test. And, and they said, you know, has anyone who tested negatively gotten their smell back? And I realized, wait a minute, I didn't get a test at all. So I'm basically the control here. 
and I don't have the sense of smell and taste. Oh, that must be a, a, obviously a clear symptom here. Um, and I'm mm. watching a personal fragrance brand, so not being able to smell is a little devastating. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I will say that this has been, for the first time in a year plus, I hadn't worn perfume because why? Mm. The reason why I wear perfume wow. is literally self-pleasure. It's for me to yeah. feel good for myself. And if I can't smell it, then how could I benefit from it? But Yeah, um, yeah, I wear perfume every day too. It's yeah. Like, I'm, I feel naked without two things, perfume and earrings. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I will say that I have not been able to benefit from that given the fact that this virus is literally robbing me of that element mm. of pleasure. And it's a challenge, it's super challenging. But thankfully, like this, for those who might have it or will have it, there's ebbs and flows. There are days where I have it. There are days I don't. There are days that I have like 100.2, and that's the maximum temperature that I've had. Uh, the the symptoms are very mild, but I will say that they really do come and go. Really, really weird virus, but it's so dangerous for other people. So I will wow. isolate, and I will hopefully hope that my smell comes back and that I can enjoy my perfume and my lonesome, which is totally fine because I'm doing this for to help other people. And wow. Yeah. Wow, that's that's wow, that's something. Yeah. It's crazy. Ooh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, if you were, well, first of all, before we go into the last question, mm-hmm. you know, given these trying times, and you have kind of mentioned, you kind of talked about the fact that if you need to have chocolate with with bordering on letting it become an addiction, um, you know, right now there are ways potentially for indulgence. Uh, to some degree, if you can potentially give the the listeners here some ideas on how to go through this this these difficult times uh, and to make sure that they're still being able to take care of themselves, what would you advise right now? How would you uh, suggest that people stay sane in these uncertain times? How I would how, what I would say is I would um, adjust my viewpoint or my, my, my viewpoint about it. Um, you know, this isn't a snowstorm, you know, when in a snowstorm or preparation for a snowstorm, you get your snacks, you, you know, you make brownies and all this, because you know, two or three days, this is over. This is tops. This is a new normal. We don't know, you know, how life will change and it has already changed, um, dramatically for a number of people. And the thing about, you know, taking different action, taking action, action transforms you. And now that people have taken so many different actions with respect to how they live, they are literally different people. And so there is no going back to normal. There's something going to call a new normal, which may not be better or worse than the old normal. It's just going to be different. So with that being said, don't think that this is a vacation. So don't, you know, make brownies every day or, um, you know, or just like Netflix and chill, or just try to really soothe your anxieties because that, that the, the, there's going to be diminishing returns to that the longer you do that. And, uh, what I would say is that if you have, like, if you're noticing like, oh my, all I want to do is eat potato chips, ask yourself, what is it what is it that I'm feeling in this moment? You know, what is it right now that I'm dealing with? Okay. I'm anxious I'm anxious about how I'm gonna pay bills next month. Okay. Can I just be with that versus having to do something? And just allow yourself to be with whatever that emotion is versus trying to trans 
transpose it into something, either an activity like eating or, you know, going online or, or, or whatever is that thing that you, you know, whatever is it that, that thing that you do. It's, it's a great, it's a great practice really on just being more self-aware and the awareness really will start to shift, you know, your, it will start to shift your behavior, but at first you have to be, be aware and not try to numb yourself because all these things can be get numbing. They, they're you know, ways to numb yourself from, from what you're actually feeling. And, um, it's to give your, another thing that I'm hearing from people that, you know, um, that they're, um, uh, missing is structure. You know, you may think like, oh God, I hate commuting. Oh, I just can't wait to get rid of this job or do something else. Like I'm tired of commuting into the city, blah, blah, blah. But that structure actually gave you a rhythm to your life. And you may, you know, you may not like all aspects of structure, but there is something calming and centering about having structure. So I would say, you know, get up at a at a certain time. If you did that before, get up, you know, get whatever that is. Don't spend all day in your pajamas. Actually get dressed. Maybe not get dressed in slacks and, you know, whatever, but actually do do get dressed. You know, do your hair, put on makeup, whatever whatever the thing is that 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 would have you go, okay, this is this is a different time. Um try not to work in the same space where you rest at it's hard for some people if you're if you're living a small space um but have some separation not you know your whole house can't be um you know your workspace and i you know it's challenging with maybe both spouses or both partners in in a space working and then there's the children that are you know on their computers also doing their homework but try to create some structure and some you know like no we don't watch tv in the in the bedroom no we don't work here so that way you have a place for your mind um to settle at the end of the day but in essence this isn't a a big old long pajama party this is a different way of living and you're going to have to be um rigorous with yourself around around creating creating structures that work for you and your family Oh, I was a little bummed about this not being a big long pajama party. <laughs> I want to have a pillow fight after this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do yeah. That. You should have pillow fights. Let loose. That's that's potentially yeah. the ends that I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I want to end on this note. Um, if you can talk to an earlier version of Lydia, like what would you tell her? What would you advise her? Oh my God. Um. Girl, stop worrying about making a mistake and just do it already. I love it. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. you so much. Yeah. I, I hope this gives you a sense of making sure that we still exchange voice communication during this time. Yes. And yeah, I wish you I wish you the best. Stay safe. Thank you all again for tuning in. This is your host, Tamar Weinberg of the Common Sense Podcast. Till next time.